Welcome to the St Albans podcast, bringing you news, views and reviews for the city and district of St Albans. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans podcast with me, Danny Smith. Uh, Coming up on the show today, we're going to be hearing from Alex from Age UK's charity shop in Marshallswick about a forthcoming fashion exhibition that they've got going on. Um, And uh, that's uh, to do with the uh, St Albans Sustainability Festival. Uh, And also in the show today, we have Alan Bellinger, our health correspondent with another health roundup. But first, let's go to Matt Adams from the Hearts Advertiser. Hello, Matt. Hello, Danny. So what's the latest? What's occurring? Right. Well, um, a new survey has come out which says that uh, St Albans is one of the top 10 safest UK cities for cycling. So it's, it's highlighting the fact that 80% of cycling paths are well lit. Um, the chances of them getting involved in accidents are very low. Now, this got me thinking about, you know, whether... Um, you know whether the the same emphasis would be given to the pedestrians out there because we've talked before about um a lot of the um sort of the way cyclists behave in in uh, pedestrian parts of St Albans you see them hurtling down St Peter Street um, where there are people with you know children or elderly people and you know yes okay it's great it's a safe place to live and a lot is still being done to improve that situation but you know is it has it gone too far the other way? You know, are we giving too much too much emphasis to the cyclists and not enough to the pedestrian? Are, are you focusing particularly on St Albans? Or are you mm, generally? St Albans, generally. I mean, that's, that's an interesting point, isn't it? I, mm. I suppose um, there would be, I suppose cyclists would say, no, it's not enough. And yeah. then pedestrians <laughs> who perhaps have fallen foul of the one or two rogue cyclists that give the others a bad name would say, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know... It, it, I don't think anything's changed in the law. Cyclists are not allowed to ride on the pavement. And in my back in my day, you know, you'd see coppers would be getting you, telling you to get off your bike. They'd give you a thick ear for that, wouldn't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. <laughs> Hit you with their truncheons. <laughs> <laughs> to your bloody mess on the pavement. Yeah. Um, no, that never really happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, that doesn't seem to happen anymore. They seem to be, you know, sort of giving carte blanche to sort of hurtle down the, the road. And you see them, put, you know, doing wheelies and riding no hands, you know, to, which is there's no control there. No, and you know, if you hit a two-year-old with a bike, they will die. You know, and I, someone needs to highlight this fact and do something about it. I, I think it is worth kind of pointing out as well that in in balance that that we've all seen that sort of behaviour that you're describing. But given how many cyclists there are on the roads in St Albans, it is a minority, and it is invariably it's youngsters isn't it like you know riding doing the week i don't know i think there's also you see the you know the the commuters who are hacking it to the station who just don't seem to pay any attention they're they're just trying to get where they want to be as fast as possible and you wouldn't get any of this with motorists you know if any motorists sort of behaved in a in a comparable way Mm. um there would be prosecutions so why is you know why is not isn't the same happening with cyclists yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, yeah. we don't know, I guess, how many prosecutions there are for cyclists. I mean, we, uh, we, we well, can I mean, assume I, it's yeah, low. Yeah, I'd see very little coming through our, um, through our, uh, in, through, into our inbox from the magistrate court results. And they, they're they very unlikely to go to Crown Court or any of these sort of things. So. Oh, OK. So, so fair point. So mm. you would you would get a sense of that because you would be seeing the prosecutions yeah. coming through. Yeah, and um, I can't remember the last prosecution I saw for anything cycle related i'm not saying that i've got a problem with cyclists per se um because you know i think it's it's brilliant that we're get, getting out of cars and, and using alternative means of transport but it is a means of transport and it shouldn't be on the pedestrian footpath 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, it also perhaps goes on to, to maybe the, the issue of, of people with the electric scooters as well, which oh, you see all the time. And, and people in mobility scooters who hack it at like 30 miles an hour through... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so all right, obviously that's an exaggeration because I'm sure they're all limited legally. But but the mobility scooters, you do get some people who drive those, it would seem, without any consideration for those around them. Yeah. But but they they are legal mm-hmm. and they are driving them maybe recklessly, but they are legally entitled to be on the the roads. The the scooters, the electric scooters, aren't they? They're illegal. I know. And I saw somebody write on a, a local Facebook group the other day said something like, "I know these things are are a little bit illegal." <laughs> I think, no, 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 you can't. It's like being a little bit pregnant, you know. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's you are or you're not, and, yeah. and it's the yeah. same with those things. I know the law might be changing on that, but it hasn't changed. No, then. no. I saw something funny enough. Someone cut right, you know, right in front of me yesterday on an electric scooter, and you know, you know, it was almost as if it was my fault. Yeah, um, which it wasn't. No, obviously. <laughs> But a very good driver. But you. I would I would like to hear the police's side in this, mm. in both to both those points, because they might well be feeling that that you know there's a lot more going on that we're not aware of, yeah. and that maybe just because it doesn't get to a magistrate's Do you know court what? doesn't mean I'm going to get I'm going to put an FOI in. I think okay, freedom of information request to see how many prosecutions they've had in this area over the last five years what, for cyclists and for cy- for offenses of cyclists i'd love to know about um if i don't know if, if it costs anything but i'd love to know if you could get one for um the scooters as well electric yeah, well, scooters, yeah yeah because it, uh, it there was a again it was on a local facebook group but but i think on the same thread where somebody said i know it's a little bit illegal somebody else said it's a great opportunity and i think they accused the police of like taking them and then selling them <laughs> now i am pretty sure that that isn't the case um but but it would i would be intrigued to know what their procedure is do have they stopped anybody locally yeah. and and how, how does that get dealt with yeah definitely so I shall investigate so all of that from isn't it safe for cyclists around here yeah one of which the is a good place yeah. yeah except now you're on a campaign to get rid of them all that's right <laughs> <laughs> obviously matt is not um and also this reminds me didn't you do something earlier in the year was it january time about that was a um, guy who was taking photos of um cyclists being uh, ridden dangerously in pedestrian areas right and and wasn't there a, a, a bit Quinlan, of it was there was a bit was of a backlash massive there? amount of backlash um for how dare he do it how dare he take these pictures and then it was a load of well you've seen other things he's he's tweeted and it's like it's irrelevant so I mean, people were trying to sling mud about him totally but, totally but they couldn't really refute what he was shining a light on no mm, okay well anyway there you go so uh don't forget the hearts advertiser the newspaper that hates cyclists <laughs> <laughs> not true we'll, we'll have more from matt in a moment Our very own health correspondent Alan Bellinger is with us now on the St Albans podcast. Hello, Alan. Hi, Danny. Great to be back. And um, we've, we've got three issues um, that we're going to talk about uh, today in the podcast. The, the COVID update of uh, what's been happening with COVID around St Albans area. Uh, we're going to look at care homes and um, um, particularly look, looking at visiting care homes. Uh, and then we're going to cover a subject of people at risk of diabetes. So let's let's go into the uh, the COVID update. So if you remember last month, I reported that cases per 100,000 have been bouncing around in St Albans. We had a peak, then a trough since Christmas, then, a, then another peak and another trough, another one. Each, each one was high, Each peak was higher and each trough was higher than the last one. So it was sort of going up zigzag fashion upwards um, until just after the our last broadcast, it's been dropping like a stone this month so 
we did the, po- po- the last podcast sort of late April. So on April 28th, which was the peak, 2,348 people per 100,000. Um, and it's now dropped down to 279 this weekend. So you just see it in, in, a, in what, three weeks? It's dropped like a stone. Right. Now I'm going to sound very cynical here, but how much of this do we have to factor into it that the uh, that you know the, the, the government no longer require you to report a positive um, test yep. and you've got to pay for the tests you know that, that surely now these numbers are are going to be almost a nonsense aren't they because because i would imagine now there's going to be widespread unreporting of it and people with all sorts of coughs colds and other such symptoms that aren't going to bother getting them checked because there's no requirement to and in fact there is a cost of getting them checked well, the, the, there are two sources that I go to to check the numbers. Um, one is the, the, the publicly um, uh, published numbers, and the second one is the Zoe app. And the Zoe app is based on over 4 million people um, reporting what the numbers are, and that's broken down by area. So we actually know from the Zoe app what they're seeing the numbers at, and I balance the numbers between those two. So, so people on the, reporting on the Zoe app would would be doing it pretty much um, accurately because yeah. they're reporting each day rather than uh, waiting till they hit with some sort of symptom. Oh, okay, sure. Um, but but I still think that you know one of the reasons why there's been such a dramatic fall, and and surely that's probably the biggest fall we've seen during mm. this outbreak, is because there is no longer a requirement to report it, and you have to pay to have a test in the first place. So, you know, I, I would imagine the true number is going to be. You know, maybe there has been a decline, but I wouldn't have thought it was anywhere near as much as as how it appears. And I can't imagine now that that those looking at the numbers are really going to be able to have as much confidence in their numbers as they maybe did at one point. I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but that's just just how it appears to me. Yeah. But I guess hospitalizations will be a a different instance because you know regardless of whether or not people are getting themselves tested if they're so unwell they have to go to hospital yes that, that would then get recorded and then in fact they're, they're tested in the hospital and reported on that so yeah. those figures that would be accurate yes but yeah i mean the, the decline could be down to some reporting issues because am i right in thinking the hospitalization numbers are only down a little bit yes, from what they were before only a little bit so they were low before but but they but they haven't dropped by the same rate have they that's no so, so for example, in, in Watford at the moment, there are 85 people with um, COVID. And when I reported last month, there were 94. So it, it's come down slightly, but not that much. Um, the list of figures down from, is, is currently 73, down from 82. Okay. Uh, now, um, of course, uh, and anybody that uh, is eligible for a jab, uh, sh- you know, please do go out and get it. There is, there is no two ways about it that the reason why we are largely able to live freely at the moment is because of the vaccination and, and the, um, the reason why the majority of people who catch COVID now only have mild symptoms is because of the vaccine. Yes. Which, which does wear off as well. So, you know, do, do get your boosters keep, when keep you're invited. Up, keep up with the boosters and, and, and the jabs if, you're, if you have been invited. They are really critical. If you feel that you should have been invited but you haven't been, what should you do? Well, there's that number that we've given out before, 119 which is um, the COVID number for the, 
if you have any concerns around COVID, 119 is the number to ring. So and they, can, and they can help you with uh, whatever whatever it is that you need. So if you think you conform to the requirements to have a booster, but you've not yet been invited for one, yes. um, call 119 and they will explain to you if you need it and they can sort out getting you. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Um, now, uh, let's um, look a bit at um, care homes. You mentioned care homes as well. Uh, so what, what's well, the before we Before we finish with, um, with, with COVID... I was going to say that the the cases now in St Albans are mainly the BA2 variant. Right. Um, BA2 variant actually accounts for 90, 94% of the cases locally, so it's absolutely dominant. Mm. Um, but to spare a thought for the um, the situation in the Southern Hemisphere, because they're coming up to... to the, they're basically sort of in that swing period between autumn and winter right now. And South African cases are absolutely on the rise rapidly again. And they now have a, a BA4 and a BA5 variant. So um, those those variants are likely to come into the UK at some point. Um, and, uh, and so we might be hit with those. And the latest data that I just saw this morning shows that although the BA2 is not, is, variant is not, which, which is our dominant one, um, is, is, is not serious in terms of um, the, the way it affects you. Um, there is there are signs now that the the BA two variant you're more likely to go to get long COVID after it than um, with the BA one variant. So, although it's, it's it, although it's sort of not serious in terms of its its um, when you've got it, um, it it's very it, it is potentially more dangerous in terms of long COVID. Okay. Well, let's now look at care homes because, yeah. uh, of course, during the pandemic, uh, it, it, people have had great difficulty in visiting relations, um, friends, and you know, loved ones in in care homes. Yeah. Uh, but now we're in this living with COVID phase. How how is that impacting um, getting access to care homes? Um, well, as you say, people have really had a t- tough period with um, with visiting over the over the um, this period. Um, the new rule is that there should be no res- no restrictions on visiting unless there is an outbreak in the care home itself. Um, so that's really sim- simplified it a lot. Um, and, and certainly, if anyone's having any um, difficulties or, 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 or um, not being able to see people when they want to see them, then they're in the right. They should be able to, you should be able to see anyone in a care home whenever you want to. Um, unless the care home itself has has a a, um, a <coughs> COVID outbreak, and in addition, the, the government has introduced this new concept of, of what they call a named visitor. A named visitor should be able to visit a loved one in a care home at any point at all, including when there's a COVID outbreak. So they they have really opened up the the situation a lot. If you have any experience of visiting a care home. Um, We'd love you to, to share your experience with Healthwatch Hertfordshire. And in the article that accompanies uh, this, this, pod, this podcast, um, there's a, a link to a short survey or the telephone number, so you can call Healthwatch on that number. Or you could email them to express an interest in, um, in talking to them generally about um, your experience on a one-to-one basis. And you can possibly attend a focus group for um, further discussions on it. So. And what is Healthwatch Hertfordshire? So Healthwatch is, is, is sort of like the Consumer Association for, for health matters. The Consumer Association is um, for, for goods that we buy in retail. 
then Healthwatch is, is seen as the Consumer Association for Health Matters. And to go to them and to, uh, and to seek any signposting or advice, if you have a difficult situation, they're always there in terms of explaining what the situation is and what your best way forward. Okay, thanks for that, Alan. We'll have more from Alan a bit later. back with Matt Adams from the Hearts Advertiser and we've gone from uh, beating on cyclists to beating the bounds. That's that right? right. Now this is a very um, quaint, archaic custom uh, that takes place in um, various cities. Um, uh, I put my, some of my previous patches, they've done something similar. This is in St Albans. It dates back 700 years to 1327 and it basically involves walking around the original city boundary it's a 4.5 mile route and beating the grounds with wands of willow at significant locations as you do okay now this is this ceremony was used to pass on knowledge where the city boundaries lay and where they they had rights as citizens um it was um apparently it started back when it started in um 1327 there'd been a riot uh, by the townspeople against the abbot of st albans um, and people, 24 citizens, walked around the town to lay down its boundaries. They declared their rights and freedoms within this area should be respected, and this has been celebrated ever since. Do you know any of this? No, no, it's I've, fascinating, I've isn't it? Before. Yeah, yeah, and that, so they, they, you know, they obviously we haven't done it for some time. I'm not sure if we did it last year. It doesn't ring a bell uh, for some time because of COVID, and now, but it's taking place this Sunday. And it starts at the um, Pudding Stone in front of Kingsbury Mill in uh, St. Michael's Village okay. at 2pm. And the mayor, uh, the outgoing mayor, uh, Councillor Edgar Hill, he would be leading the procession. And they'll have his chaplain and uh, a town crier in the form of Stephen Potter, who's a local tour guide. And it takes about two hours and it ends up at the museum and they have tea and biscuits and you get a certificate. So, um, nice little thing to take part in, I think. Yeah. Uh, which museum? Verulanium. Sorry. It doesn't take two hours to walk from the Pudding Stone up to there. No, but you've, you've got to walk the 4.5 oh. miles in between to oh, okay. around the city. Oh. So, I guess, yeah, you go out a, a bit and then... Back a bit. Back a bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess... I wonder if it's where the old city walls were, whether that's what the boundary. It could be, because otherwise the back... If it, it's not, it can't be around St. Albans. That would take a lot longer than yeah. that. Yeah, well, it would be in the obviously the medieval St Albans. Yeah, but I know obviously there's bits of the walls left in Verulamium Park, but I don't know where the it extends elsewhere. Okay, but you know, go along, find out. Yeah, so this this tradition goes back to 1327. That even predates the Hearts Advertiser. I know by some time. Yeah, uh, and um, yes, yeah, so if you fancy that that walk, I think Sunday's going to be nice weather. Yeah, maybe, anyway. maybe not. No, yeah. there's no such thing as bad weather. Only bad clothing choices. <laughs> but uh, but there you go. A four and a half mile walk, and you get a certificate at the end as well. Apparently, gotta love a certificate. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. So that's two o'clock. Uh, setting off from the Pudding Stone, which is in front of uh, the Kingsbury Mill in St Michael's Village. Well, there you go. It's a ni- nice thing to do on a Sunday afternoon. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Chris Aikman. Join me, local author Howard Linsky, and St Albans podcast producer Sam Rolfe for the St Albans Film Guide. Each week, one of us will guide you through the new releases at the cinema and on streaming services. We'll also give you our choice of the best films to watch on UK free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. So if you're a film lover, join us for a chat about all things movie-related every week as part of the St Albans podcast. New episodes will be released every Friday morning, 
For more information, visit sirauburnspodcast.com or find us where any good podcasts are found. Joining me now on the St. Albans Podcast, I have Alex from Age UK. Hello, Alex. Hello, Danny. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for uh, joining us. Now, uh, there is a fashion show coming up that you guys are running, uh, and it's all to do with uh, the Sustainability Festival that's uh, that's running till the end of the month. Um, tell us more about this. Okay, well, it's um, it's ourselves, Age UK, working with the um, Marshallswick Baptist Church. Um, it was something we sort of started chatting ago, about some months ago. Um, <clears throat> Peter, who's very, Peter Keller, who's very involved in the Baptist Church, um, his wife, Diane, I'm very lucky to have as my assistant manager. Um, so we were talking about doing something, a little collab for Sustainability Weekend, obviously because charity shops and pre-locked clothes are <clears throat> very sort of prevalent now, helping the environment, etc. But also... Marshall's Hook is a really amazing community so it was kind of building awareness of what Peter does at the Baptist Church, what AGK do as a charity um, and also promoting the sustainability weekend so yeah it's all coming together so it's on Sunday, uh, this coming Sunday the 22nd at 3pm. Okay what sort of things can people expect at the fashion show? Um, that There will be people listening who will know exactly what one is and they'll think well that's right. a silly question, there'll be others who will just think oh that's not for me and probably because they don't really maybe appreciate what it is. So can you tell us no. a bit about how this one's going to work? Okay, so charity shops are changing in terms of what we offer and in terms of what people expect from us. We're really kind of up there with High Street now because of people's attitudes about um, <clears throat> not wanting to buy throwaway fashion and looking at pre-loved clothing as a really way forward. We're really lucky to work with um, another lovely lady called Lisa Wisdom, who runs a um, style business called Style with Wisdom. She's a local um, blogger. She's a local stylist. So she's pulling out outfits. So what we're doing, we're doing a fashion show where there's themes that will really fit anybody's lifestyle. So we're going to start with putting together something like school run mums. You know, you don't have to just be in joggers and you can sort of put together a nice little outfit. And then it will be friends with coffee with coffee, and then a lunch date and then glamming up some looks for the evening. Um, yeah, it's going to be sort of about five themes. We've got about 24, 25 outfits bits to show I think a little bit more and we've got one key guy as well <laughs> but yeah it's really just showing that it, you you can just put together a look really simply that's like kind on your purse and you can get it from one shop okay so uh, that's the idea all right and and of course by by getting it from from a charity shop such as uh, your one in Marshallswick yeah you're, you're also helping in other ways as well because um, you know you're, you're helping to support to support um, you know local charity shop well, that, that's the other point to it, because um, like any business and any other charity um, during sort of the pandemic and lockdown, um, any sort of surplus funds were massively depleted. Um, and just talking about Age UK a little bit more, I mean, one of the things that is really, really critical and really prevalent to what they try to do is to combat loneliness. Um, it's a, it's actually a huge um I don't want to word killer, but it is a really huge problem. Um, and many elderly people felt isolated prior to the pandemic. So um, the, the services that Age UK provide rather, were really stretched. And one of them is the befriending service, which is just basically a phone service that 
when people are alone, if they can't go to the shop to get their newspaper, just to have that little bit of contact every day, they were literally in lockdown, isolated, um, with nowhere to go. So the calls for Age UK went up in the initial months of the pandemic by like 60,000 sort of a month. Um, so what we're trying to do is create awareness of the services that Age UK provide. And by spending as little or us raising as little as five to ten pounds a week, that can make sure that somebody who's alone will get a, a phone call once or twice a week to make sure, make sure they feel like they're included and still important. So it's really just sort of making aware that there's these phone services that we provide, okay. but it does need funding. Mm. Now, if that isn't enough to uh, make you want to support this event, then this is also part of the Sustainability Festival. Um, how important is that to you, that, that you, you, you're involved with that? Well, very much so, because I say it's it's on so many levels. Once it's it's fantastic for the environment because it makes people think about what they're doing with their the, the items that they don't want. So it stops things going to landfill, for instance. And it's not just clothing. We, we, we take we take all sorts of household items. Um, we can also recycle. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just making people more mindful about what they're doing with the items that they don't want, which also is brilliant for the environment. Um, and it makes people think about what they're buying and what they actually need. So, as I say, if it makes people sort of less um, keen to buy throwaway fashion, for instance, and buy pre-loved clothing, it sort of affects the whole the whole chain. OK. Now, um, I mean, fashion shows, I can only imagine how much the tickets must cost. I mean, it, 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 are these particularly expensive? These are actually free. These are free tickets, so <laughs> there's, there's, there's no harm to your purse at all. It's just a matter of this really lovely Sunday afternoon gathering, got great music. All our models are um, have been conjoled, either some of our volunteers or friends that I've roped into it. So it's a really locally based thing. It's just going to be a lot of fun with lots of music, but it is free tickets. There's tea, coffee, refreshments available. We will be able to um, have some rails of selling clothes afterwards, but the shop will also be open on the Sunday as well. So people can, it's literally around the corner so they can pop in afterwards and, and have a little browse in a shop. Okay. Uh, and uh, if people want to get free tickets, um, I mean, first off, are there still tickets available? And if so, yes, where can there people are. get them? Yes, we've only really started promoting it um, and this, this week. So, yes, there are tickets available. Um, they can go to um, our Age UK Marshalls Facebook page, which is basically just age uk marshall's wick and, and it will come up yeah and we'll link to that um if you look in the description of this episode right now uh, you'll find the link to the age uk marshall's wick page so you'll be able to get to that quite easily by just clicking that link or also on our website um stalbanspodcast.com uh, can people also just pop into the shop and get tickets yes they can yeah of course yeah we'll um yeah we'll 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 make sure that's available yeah from today absolutely okay yes. so that's the age uk marshall's wick um uh shop which is in the quadrant it's fifth number 15 the quadrant number yes. 15 the quadrant okay so um yeah you can also get your tickets from there uh as well if you're if you're interested in that so the event is sunday the 22nd of may it's at 3 p.m it's at marshall's wick baptist free church which yeah. is just around the corner from the charity shop exactly isn't it? basically aim for kfc and miss and you kind that's of that's it yeah, keep on going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could I also just um, give a couple of phone numbers? Because if people are struggling um, at the moment with um, help for either themselves or um, care for um, their elderly parents or relatives, mm -hmm. um, could I just give out the helpline number? Yeah, of course. Um, it's 0800 678 1602. 
this will give you all the services um, that are available. It can be everything from, like I say, befriending to finding out the benefits um, uh, available to you. Um, and it's 365 days a year, um, open from 7 till 8 a.m. So if anybody is in need of help from Age UK, that's the number to call. Okay, can you it's just repeat the number? service. Could, could you repeat the number, please? It's 0800 678 1602. Okay, that number is also in the description of this episode right now. Uh, and, um, and and so it's open, what, from? 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Right. 365 days a year. Okay, and that's the Age UK helpline and, and that yeah. can offer all, all sorts of help and advice and support for yeah. anyone. And you get to talk to a real person at the end of the phone. It's not an automated service. I think that's what a lot of people need right now. <laughs> okay. Um, is there, now this might be a silly question, but is there like a minimum age for, for who Age UK support? Obviously, it's there to support the elderly, but it's also to support family members who are, for instance, going through um, a situation where they need to find care for somebody who's ailing. I mean, it's hard to navigate through the social services system sometimes because you get directed to various government websites, etc. Um no, it doesn't matter if you've got any sort of problem with care or um, you, you need information on benefits or what's available to you out there. Right. OK, thank you. Um, and I'll also include in the description right now, you'll find the link to the Age UK website as well, ageuk.org.uk. But um, Alex, thank you very much for, for sharing this well, with us today. Thank you for having me. And, um, and um, yeah, please do come along. As I say, it's a free event. It's just going to be a fun, a fun afternoon. And uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing anybody who wants to um, come and join us. OK, well, we wish you every success. That's Sunday, the thank 22nd, so Sunday, the 22nd of May, 3 p.m. And the Age UK fashion show as part of the Sustainability Festival uh, and it's at Marshallswick Baptist Free Church uh, just near the quadrant. Um, Alex, thank you very much. We're back with Bellinger. Uh, <laughs> Good to be back, Smith. <laughs> so um, yeah, I want to start with a plea. We're going to talk about diabetes. Um, but this, is a, uh, this, this actual piece is about people who do not have diabetes. So... Um, so if, even if you, specifically, if you don't have diabetes, this piece is targeted at you. Um, because the point is that, that people do not know if they have diabetes or if they're at risk of it. Um, and next week's Diabetes Week, and this year it's specifically targeted at people who are at risk. And if, if you don't know whether you're at risk or not, here's a great suggestion. There's a link on the, in the article where you can simply ask ask a few questions, answer a few questions, and that will give you um, an absolute recommendation as to whether you're at risk or not. And if you're coming, if it comes out that you are at risk, then you don't have to go to the doctors or anything. You can immediately register on a program that will give you a, a thorough assessment and and really be helpful in terms of making sure that you don't get type two. Because the thing is. Um, type 2 diabetes is, um, is solvable. Is, you, can, you, you can ensure okay. that you can avoid type 2 diabetes, whereas type 1, which, which is where usually, type, type 1 usually is among young people, and it, it means that the pancreas has basically either given up completely or just stopped producing as much insulin as you need. And therefore, the treatment is to inject insulin every day. Okay. But type two is is, is really older people. Um, typically, onset is around about the forties and fifties, um, 
and if you do have it then it is it is quite it can be quite debilitating and quite um, acute in terms of what what will happen so the idea is that you should go on to a prevention program okay so so yes so it's diabetes prevention week which runs from the 23rd to the 29th of may uh, and and yeah so you've got some um advice now haven't you um for people to kind of consider whether or not they're at risk and what they can do to reduce their risks is that right yes effectively if you are if you are at risk the the treatment the, what you need to do is two things and it's not necessarily um, uh, partic- particularly attractive but one is you need a healthy diet and two is you need to increase your exercise and those are the two things that any type two uh, person at risk of type two really needs to focus on and really weight is critical if you lose seven percent of your if you're at risk and lose seven percent of your weight you reduce your chances of diabetes by 60 percent so it's it really is worth taking some time over this and just and just um, looking at, at the implications so so weight is critical be as, as physically active as you can follow a healthy diet plan and equally cut down on the alcohol a bit it's always helpful right so there's some excellent guidance that I've put in um, a, a link in, in the in the article about um, tips for presenting diabetes, um, and it's got it has got lots of tips there. If you'd like to know more about the program, you can register this free. We're running a free webinar on it. I shall be chairing it actually. Okay. And again, the link is is on in the article to that. Um, it's on the third. It's on the 29th of June, and all everyone who's um, listening to the podcast is very welcome to join us on that um, on that webinar okay so all of the details are in the the article which we have linked to from the description of this podcast episode right now you can also find it by going to our website cinemaspodcast.com and clicking on the health matters um, bit at the top uh, that will get you there as well uh, Alan thank you very much and uh, we look forward to hearing from you again around at the same time next month thanks Danny see you then I'm Elspeth Jackman inviting you to listen to my podcast One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Let's get one more news story now from Matt Adams from the Hearts Advertiser. Matt. Right, yes. Well, this is about a grassroots campaign which has targeted thousands of homes in the south of St Albans um, uh, with, in a bid to prevent the overdevelopment of the Greenbelt. Now, this is, you know, obviously Greenbelt uh, construction and development and stuff has been something we've has rumbled on for several years that we've talked about a lot. This is um, around the Chiswell Green area and it's a group called Keep Chiswell Green. Let's see what they did there. Yeah. Um, they're... they're um, were sort of prompted to do it following another application for houses um this is around chiswell green lane this was for almost 400 houses there um following a bid to build 330 homes on an 
on another site near that there's another plans for 265 on the former butterfly world and another load more like about another two and a half thousand around that area so it's loads and loads of houses in that part of um of the district and they've just said right obviously we know that there's no local plan and this is causing you know a, a development by appeal but we think that you know by getting together we and you know campaigning in the right way and taking proper legal action we can actually stop this happening um, they want to, um, they're sort of raising money for, um, sort of lit to fight this legally. And, and you know, because they said it would just, they, they would never have the infrastructure needed. Um, it would just destroy the, the very character of the area. And, um, you know, they they said enough is enough, really. I would imagine that, that if they can fund it, they'd stand a good chance of winning. Because because the council, I think themselves would admit it's an it's an almighty mess, and yeah, no, everything wins on appeal. And you, one would have thought that if that could be legally challenged, that that might well be able to each one might well be able to be overturned. Mm, if an yeah. appeal was overturned it in one way, a court might be able to rule another way. Yeah, because they've got you know you've got to show special circumstances of a building on Greenbelt land, and you know. They they are saying that the figures given for housing targets are outdated uh, and drastically over the top and that we really need to stop and think again. And if the main reason why um, why these things are winning on appeal is simply because there is not a strategic local plan in place, a, a higher court might determine that that's not sufficient grounds you know so it might it might it might win that appeal mm. on a technicality mm. but another court might be able to overturn that yeah well, i think the government said something about um you know housing targets for councils and how they can challenge them going forward if it's involves a lot of green belt sites mm. you know because we're not i don't know whether there is the same demand there was like five six years ago because of the various factors that we've seen in that time i mean covid um uh the uh, brexit the implications of brexit you know, all of that needs to be taken into account. And we, I think we really need to look again and see what is required before just building willy-nilly because there's a, a quick buck in it. So the government, so the council might be able to get the numbers reassessed? Yeah, I think that's what has been suggested from central government. Okay. Well, well, let's hope then that perhaps they do that because mm. that could make a difference as, as long as the number then get, becomes lower. It doesn't no, go the other way. No. But I think we just need, it just needs to be realistic. Okay. And within requirements rather than you don't want to build so many that just encouraging more and more people to move into the district rather than, you know, the providing homes to the people that live here already that need them. I mean, it's got to be practical and it's got to be realistic. And also, you, you do not want to, d- to do this, something that's going to be at the expense of the, the, the community that's, that's already no, there. No, not at all. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, that does need to be protected. But thank you for that. If people want to know more about local news in our area, check out heartsad.co.uk. And also the Hearts Advertiser print edition comes out on a Thursday and is delivered to many a doorstep in the area and can be obtained from a variety of places locally as well. So thank you, Matt. Uh, also, thank you to uh, Alan Bellinger, our health correspondent, and to Alex from the uh, Marshallswick uh, Age UK charity shop. Uh, coming up on the podcast uh, on podcast network later this week, we've got the film guide with Max Hartington on Friday. We've got the Dagenham Street Baptist Church virtual service with Simon Carver on Sunday and one to one with Elspeth on Monday. Find out more on our website, stalbanspodcast.com and also uh, on our social media channels on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, where we are at St. Albans Podcast. See ya. Thanks for listening to this edition of the St. Albans Podcast with Danny Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or a podcast platform of your choice. This will help us reach more listeners. 
Join us, the St. Albans Podcast, next Wednesday for more news, views and reviews. In the meantime, commit no nuisance. Produced by Samantha Rolfe. Logo and artwork by David Ellis. This is an independent production in association with the Heart Advertiser. If you would like to become a community partner or a sponsor of the podcast, please visit stalbanspodcast.com for more details.